Okay, we're in a series called The Purpose of Christian Schools, and uh, there's a memory verse, Psalms 1, 1 through 3, and I'm going to read it to you. It says, Blessed, happy, prosperous is the man who does not follow the ungodly, nor stands inactive in the path of sinners, nor sits with those who have no use for God. Instead, he finds joy in God's Word, and he habitually meditates on it day and night. He shall be like a tree that's planted by the water, producing fruit every month. Everything he does will prosper and succeed. And this is one of the most amazing scriptures in the Bible because it tells us what we need to do to prosper and succeed. It tells us the way we should encourage other people and what we should encourage them to do to prosper and succeed. And there's three main things you see in the scripture. One is it talks about certain people. You got to get around the right people and get away from the wrong people. The other thing it does, it talks about places. You can't just sit anywhere. You can't just relax anywhere. You can't just stand anywhere. There's specific places. And then third, it talks about what we meditate on, what we ponder, what we listen to, what we feed ourselves. And so today in part three, I want to talk to you about this planted in a godly atmosphere. Planted to God, where you have planted yourself, the place that you live, the place that you work, the place you go to school, the place you come to church, these places greatly, greatly affect everything in your life. The atmosphere that you're in, the environment that you put yourself in, it determines your personal growth. It determines your relationships. It determines how you spend your money. It determines your moods, your joy, your peace. All of this is affected by your environment. I want you to think about your life like a, like a little tree. And, you know, the tree just started. It's, it's two or three years old, and someone puts it inside of a pot. The tree will only grow on the outside as deep as the root system will allow it to. The destiny for the tree could be this amazing oak tree with the purpose of living hundreds of years, spanning its branches 30, 40 feet to the side, the left and right, 50, 60, 100 feet in the air. But if that oak tree is put inside of a pot, it will only grow as much as the pot will allow. The, the, the atmosphere, the environment that the oak tree is in determines what happens on the outside. Now, here's the, the problem is not the tree. The problem is not the destiny. God has the destiny. The problem is not the oak tree. The problem is where it is choose to plant itself. It is, the problem is where the environment that it has put itself around. That's why, you know, there's people you want to help in life. If they don't uproot themselves from the wrong places and the wrong people, there's nothing you can do. You can pray for them all day. You can give them money. You can listen to them cry on the phone. But if they're not willing to leave the wrong places and get to the right places, they'll never become what God's called them to become. That's why in Psalms 92, 13, it says, being planted in the house of the Lord, you'll flourish. There's a place God wants you to plant yourself. And he wants you to plant yourself there in the good times and the bad times, in spring, in summer, in winter, in every single season. Let me ask you a question, and I need everybody to respond accordingly, okay? Either raise your hand or don't raise your hand. Have you ever worked at a place, or you do work at a place, where there's profanity, negativity, gossip, sometimes pornography pictures sent around like it's funny, people are rebellious, they talk about the boss? Have you ever worked somewhere in that type of environment, or you do now? Okay, okay, good. Now, what if, what if God gave me the power today to snap my fingers, and just like that, tomorrow morning when you go to work, you'll have the same job, It'll be just a mile away from your other job. And everybody that works at this new place, they're all Christians. They play Christian music. They encourage you. It's a great atmosphere. How many of you would be willing tomorrow to switch jobs if I could do that for you? 
What if it cost you an extra $3,000 a year? Would you be willing to lose $3,000 a year in order to get have the same job, do the same thing in an environment filled with Christians? How many of you be willing to do that? Okay, listen, uh, to go to our school, your children can simply just one mile from their other school Leave the profanity, leave the homosexuality, leave the rebelliousness, leave the pornography for $3,000 a year. In that, why would you want your child to be in the very environment for eight hours a day that you can't stand? And you're an adult, and you know what it does to your mood, and you know what it does to your thinking pattern, you know what it does to your family, and you want to send your child there to be around worse things than what you experience at work for eight hours a day? That's crazy to me. We have to repot the people that we love, that we have control over our children. We have to uproot them and repot them somewhere that will feed the seeds of greatness that God has inside of them. Your child is destined to be an oak tree, but they're being planted somewhere around a bunch of weeds. What do you think they're going to become when you plant them in a garden full of weeds? I have three points for you today. They all start with the letter P, and point number one is this, place. Place. Here's what's so interesting about places. God created places before he created people. God created locations, and then he put what he created in those locations. God created Eden, and he put Adam and Eve. He didn't put Adam and Eve in the Sahara Desert. He didn't put them in the middle of the ocean. He created a specific place, and he put them there in Eden. Here's the sad thing. When they left Eden, they stopped hearing the voice of God. When they left Eden, they stopped having the direction from the Holy Spirit. When they left the place that God created for them, they were no longer as close to God as they used to. When God created oceans, he did that first, and then he put the fish inside. When God created the polar bear, he planted him in Alaska and the Arctic, not in the Sahara Desert. It wasn't the right place. The location of our roots determined the produce of our fruit. You know, the, the God's dream for our life is that we produce, that we prosper, that we're blessed. We're not going to produce the right kind of fruit if our roots are not in the right location. Now, here's what I want to ask you this question. Let's say, let's say that one day this camel who's living in Egypt gets a phone call. And this polar bear calls this camel up and says, listen, camel, I have a job for you. It's in Alaska, but listen, it pays twice as much as what you're making in Egypt. Uh, in fact, you'll be so popular in Alaska because we hardly have any camels there. Everyone's going to love you. You'll make more money than you've ever made your entire life. We just need you to pick up your family from Egypt and take them to Alaska. Should that camel take that job, yes or no? no? How come? It's not the right place. It's not the right place. God has a specific place that he wants you to live, that he wants you to worship, that he wants you to go to work to. And if we don't get to that place, we will never prosper the way God intended. In Acts chapter 1, uh, Jesus rose from the dead, and 500 people were told to go to the upper room and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Only 120 people showed up. 500 could have been blessed, but they weren't in the right place. 500 people could have had the greatest gift ever given to the universe, but they didn't show up on time for the place that God called them to be. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses was walking at the bottom of a mountain. He looked up, and on the side of the mountain there was a bush that was on fire, but it wasn't burning up. In Exodus 3.3, 3, he said this, I'm going to go see what's going on. It caught his eye. 
How many times have people, you know, rode by our church or watched us on the internet, and it just, it just catches their eye? And Moses thought, I need to go up there and see what's going on. When he got on the top of that mountain, on the side of the bush, God spoke to him. God gave him a destiny. God laid out what he wanted him to do. He had never been so close to God till he got to the right place. Here's the funny thing. There were probably ten other mountains that he walked by to get to that mountain. There was mountains all over the place. There were so many other mountains. His friends could have said, Moses, this is a great mountain. Come over here. But it wasn't the right place for him to go. We have to get to the right place that God has called us to be, and we too will hear God like never before. I I read about this true story, this this violinist um, a few years ago. He was in New York, and he was in the subway, Um, not the restaurant chain, but like the, the train, you know, underneath the ground, the subway. And he pulled out his violin, and he started playing for about 45 minutes to an hour. During that hour, um, the story goes that about 30 people uh, stopped for a minute or two throughout that hour just to listen to him play, and he made $45 in tips. In one hour, he made $45. What's so funny about this is the violinist was actually Joshua Bell, who's known to be the greatest violinist in the world right now. He was playing the most difficult piece ever written for a violin, and he was playing it on a violin worth $3.5 million dollars. What's extra funny about this is two days before that, Joshua Bell was in Boston and he played for a sold-out theater where the seats were an average of $100 each. But in the subway, he made $45 and 30 people stopped by. Here's why. Extraordinary talent in an ordinary environment will always be overlooked and undervalued. I know some of you are thinking this. You know what? God's with me everywhere I go, and he can bless me. Wherever I go, God will bless me. Okay, if you believe that, just tell that to your teenagers next time they go off. Don't even ask them where they're going. Just look at them and say, hey, wherever you go tonight, you're going to be blessed. You go to the boulevard, you'll be blessed. You go to the nightclub, you'll be blessed. You go hang out with Joe Schmo, you know, smoking pot, you'll be blessed. Wherever you go, you'll be blessed. Now, you know as I do. They can be at the wrong place at the wrong time, right? Okay, then here's what. We can be at the right place at the right time and receive what God wants us to receive. It's all about where you go. All throughout the Bible, God would tell people where to worship, where to live, where to work. And the people that obeyed and went to those places, they prospered. They they, they thrived. The people who heard God tell them where to go and they made an excuse and didn't go, they barely survived. Barely survived. Um... The prodigal son in Luke 15, he came from an incredibly wealthy family. Um, You can picture this young man from a family that lives at, you know, in Debadu or Prestwick or Grand Dunes, you know, just very wealthy. His family loved the Lord. He had every, he was such a blessed young man. He decided one day for some reason to leave his place of blessing. I don't know, somebody hurt his feelings. He didn't like what his dad had to say. For whatever reason, he leaves this place of blessing, and he goes to the wrong place and starts hanging out with the wrong people. Do you know where the prodigal son ended up? He ended up in a pig pen. And when you're in the wrong place with the wrong people, you begin to have the wrong desires creep up inside of you. And he desired something that he had never desired in his life. In Luke 15, 16, it says, He longed to fill his belly with pig food. This young man that lived in Prestwick had a Rolex watch on. His dad bought him a Corvette when he graduated high school, and now he has the desire to eat pig food. How could that happen? Here's how his environment changed him. 
His environment turned him into something he was never meant to be turned into. There's only so much we can do for a person who will not separate themselves from their toxic environment. Your environment, if you're in the wrong environment, it'll confuse you as to who you are. You'll get confused as to who your father is. You'll start thinking you're something that you're not. You'll start desiring things you were never meant to desire, all because you're at the wrong place. And there's people that I love and people that you love I know. And we want so bad for their life to change, and we listen to them cry on the phone for an hour, and we give them money when they want money, but they won't separate themselves from the toxic environment that they're in. Is it any wonder they keep going in the wrong direction? You know, if you're homosexual, come to church. If you've got addictions, come to church. If you're living in sin, come to church. If you had an abortion yesterday, come to church today. We want you. Here's why. This environment will change you. Things will happen here. It's an environment of faith. You can't come here and not be changed. I have a, I have a friend who's um, he's a homosexual. I've known him for 25 years. He's a good friend, and he's married to a man. And every time I see him, I just, you know, I give him a hug. Man, I love you. I said, I'd love for you to come to church. I've done this for probably 18 years. I've told him, I want you to come to church, come to church. Finally, I saw him out about, a, I don't know, a year ago. And, and him and his husband, they were eating dinner, and I, I paid for their food. And I said, listen, I really want you to just come to church one Sunday. And he grabbed my arm. He said, John Paul, you know I can't come to your church. I said, why not? He says, could you preach things that I do? I said, buddy, I preach things that I do. I do. Here's the difference. I want God to change me. The reason a lot of people run from church, they're not ready to be changed. They don't want to be changed. They like their lifestyle too much for God to change them. But the good news is, once you get past that and you come here, God will change you. When you're in the right place with the right people at the right time, right things will happen in your life. Um, in 1 Kings chapter 17, there was a great famine in the land. People were in dire need. They needed it to rain so that their crops could be watered and they could, they could eat food. All of us are in some kind of need. We need mercy. We need healing. We need relationship restored. We need money. We need wisdom. We need guidance. We need something. We need something. And so God always said he would provide our needs. Here's the problem. He doesn't provide them everywhere we're at. He provides them in certain locations. In 1 Kings 17, 3, he told Elijah, if you'll go to the brook, I have commanded, everybody say commanded. I have commanded the ravens to bring you food, watch this, there. I'm sure Elijah got up that morning and thought, you know what, God, I really appreciate you doing this for me, but every time I go to that brook, there's not enough parking spaces. And I have to walk 30 extra yards, and so one, I'm just going to keep emailing the pastor until he does something about it. You know, when I go to that brook, I can't ever sit with my family because there's too many people in church. And that really bothers me. You know, I just, every time I try to get to the brook, there's always somebody there. And God, you know what? When that water flows, it's too loud. And sometimes it's too cold and sometimes it's too hot. And I have all, and all these reasons I'm not going to the brook. And God would say, that's fine, Elijah. I love you. I just want you to know I am supplying your needs. It's just not where you're at. You have to obey and get to that place. And then you'll receive everything that I have for you. We have to get to the right place, the right place, the right time. Okay, point number two is this, people. People. <clears throat> some people, <laughs> some people 
whenever you leave them and you walk away from them, you feel so energized and inspired. Uh, my friend Jason Potter, he's somewhere in here, but man, I don't care how bad the bottom drops out, he'll find something good to inspire. You could say, my dog died, and he'd say, well, you know, get a cat. And he'd figure out something. Well, that's not a good idea. He'd figure out something, but anyway, <laughs> that's not very inspiring, but whatever. He'll think of something. But, you know, there's some people you walk away from, and you feel so much closer to God. You feel like you could run a marathon after meeting with them. Then there's other people, when you meet with them, you feel like you ran a marathon after you get away from them, right? You got to find the right people that inspire you. I know that we all struggle with, in areas with there's certain people that feed our addictions. There's certain people we've known since high school, and they think, man, I bailed you out 20 years ago, and you're going to walk away from me. There's some people in your life that are not destined to go where God wants to take you. And don't think you can pull them with you. You can't. They will pull you with them every single time. You know, Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, and Harry Firestone, they were all friends and had summer homes all next to each other. Is it any wonder three of the most brilliant minds that changed the history of the United States all hung out with each They didn't just hang out with anybody. They didn't just see who was going to text them and invite them out that night. They specifically chose the right people to be around, and all three of them changed history. Um, Abraham in the Old Testament in Genesis 12, God made him a promise. And the promise that God made Abraham is the same promise that he makes to you and I. This is the destiny that God has for us, okay? Genesis 12, 2, he said this, I'm going to do something great for you. I'm going to bless you. And abundance means more than enough. You have what you need and there's more. God said, I'm going to make you famous. People are going to know you everywhere. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to bless other people. Now, this is God's dream for every one of our lives. This is his dream for your children. It's his dream for your friends, that he blesses us in abundance and we can bless others. That's verse 2. Verse 1 tells us what Abraham had to do to get to verse 2. Verse 1 says this, for your own advantage, leave your land, leave your relatives, leave your father's home, and go to the place that I'm going to show you. Why did God tell him that? Because the pot that Abraham was in would not permit the growth that God wanted to do in his life. The place where Abraham was at. Now listen, I know we love our relatives, okay? And if you're under 18, you submit to that authority. But when you're over 18, you have the ability to move out. God's saying this, your parents, your relatives, they're a bad influence on you, Abraham. They were actually Chaldeans. We talked about the Chaldeans a few weeks ago. You got to get away from them. And so Abraham, I love, I love verse 4. It says, Abraham went as the Lord said, but. Everybody say, but. Man, Christians have the biggest buts, don't we? God, I'll obey you, but. I'll do what you said, but. I'll go to church, but. I'll tithe, but. Man, Christians, we have big butts and we cannot lie. <laughs> and all those other churches can't deny. So Abraham, he did what God said, but he brought the wrong person. He brought Lot with him. Here's what's so funny. God never said to bring Lot. And do you know what's so interesting about the story? God never spoke to Abraham again until he got rid of Lot. God told him what to do, told him where to go, told him who to walk away from. Abraham said, yeah, I'll obey you, but I want to keep that one person that feeds that addiction. I want to keep that one person, they're, they're so controlling and manipulative, I just can't walk away from them. I want to keep that one unbeliever that I'm yoked to because I really like them and maybe one day they'll come to church and serve God. Lot represents that one person we just won't let go of when we hear a sermon like this. 
And so finally he gets rid of Lot. Finally God starts to speak to him again. Here's the point. The wrong person can prevent us from hearing the voice of God. And you know, as a, as a pastor, I have, I have 500 voices right now. Ten elders, eight trustees, four pastors, three friends, <laughs> a wife, five kids. I have all these voices, and I'm, I'm dying. And if you, if you know, I'm dying to hear the voice of God on a daily basis. That's where our life comes from. That's where our energy comes from. That's where our peace comes from. And the more voices you have, the more it gets in the way of what God's trying to tell you. And you don't even know now because you want to please this person and fix this and make them like you and respond to this accordingly. And every time you walk away, you think, God, do I even hear you? I just need to hear your voice. I just want to hear what you have to say. Luke 6.40 tells this, The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who's trained will be like his teacher. You know, your children are going to be just like, they're, they're going to have the same spirit that their teacher has. So I hope you really like your kid's teacher. And, and after today, if you decide to go to another church, that's fine. Or, you know, if you want us to leave, that's fine because you're going you're gonna to have the same. You're gonna... Now, the good news is in Psalms it says the blessings of the leadership flow down to the body. So you have all of our blessings too. But I'm cray-cray. Man, I got problems. I'm crazy. You know, I was thinking um, <laughs> there are some people in life that you, you can't get away from. Some of you are married to people that are they're very negative and they don't serve God. Listen, I'm sorry. That's not a reason to leave them. In fact, the Bible says that your godliness and your integrity can actually win that spouse to the Lord. So if you're married to somebody that you just don't like or, you know, we're not in love anymore and all that, I'm sorry, none of that. You can't get away from them. If you, your parents, your parents were, you didn't choose your parents, Okay. You didn't choose your parents. Now, after you're 18, you can move away, and you don't have to, you know, listen to them. You still have to honor them. You have to make sure they never starve and make sure they always have a roof over their head. But you can't choose your parents. That was already chosen for you. Some of you, you can't get away from the boss you have because, you know, whatever. You're, I understand that job situation. But there is one thing you can do. You can put your children in a school that will feed them Christian values and train them and give them the faith they need to become what God's called them to be when they get older. You can do that. You can do that because every person will be like their teacher. Uh, I read a true story about this little girl. It was in the 60s or 70s, and she was born with a cleft lip. Uh, she couldn't smile like the other kids. Her face was kind of crooked, and because of that, none of the other children played with her. <clears throat> she didn't look like the other students. They all kind of just smugged her, you know, didn't, didn't want to talk to her, didn't want to hang out with her. One day, um, the school had hearing tests. And if you remember a long time ago, the way the hearing tests were done is they weren't really professional, but the teacher would have each student come up to the desk, turn around, and take a few steps forward, and the teacher would whisper something, and the student would have to repeat back what the teacher said and see how far the student could get and still hear the teacher. You know, that's how they judge if they had hearing loss or not. And so for most students, when they came up to the desk, the teacher would say things very average, like um, it's raining outside, and the student would you know, repeat that, or uh, there's a cat outside, or today is Monday, or things like that. When it came time for this little girl with the cleft lip, she was so timid, she was so afraid. She had no confidence whatsoever, and she was shaking. She went up to the teacher's desk, and when she turned around and she started walking forward, the teacher said something that she did not say for any of the other kids. The teacher whispered, I wish you were my little girl. And when that student heard that, something on the inside came alive, and she repeated it back. It, gave her, it, it let her know that somebody loves her, values her, 
thinks she's special. Do you know from that day forward, all the students in the class started being her friend. They couldn't believe how much the teacher liked her. They started inviting her to their birthday parties, sitting with her at lunchtime. She became the most popular girl in second grade. Where would that girl have been if that teacher had not been an encourager? If that teacher had not been somebody that loved to teach and loved their students? Be very careful who you put your children under. Point number three, and we're done, and that's it. Ponder. Ponder what you fill your mind with. Uh, Philippians 4, 8, fill your mind with things that are true, pure, right, holy, friendly, and proper. <clears throat> what kind of mood would you come in? What kind of mood would you come home in if your mind was filled with profanity, lust, homosexuality, rebelliousness? What kind of mood, what, what would that do to your life if it was every single day for eight hours? You know, I was researching what it takes to be a doctor. In case I decide to stop pastor and I'm going to be a brain surgeon. And so I was, <clears throat> I was studying. And um, do you know basically all the doctors do is they spend um, several hundred hours, almost about, about two, 3,000 hours, um, hanging around other like-minded medical students, certain same people. They fill their minds with videos, pictures, papers, books. They read. All these things are going inside of them. And then after so many thousand hours, they're a doctor. They get handed a piece of paper, and they are officially a doctor. I researched it, and do you know that children from kindergarten to 12th grade sit in a desk for 14,000 seat hours in public school? From kindergarten to 12th grade, 14,000 hours of their mind being filled with things. What do you think they're going to turn into? Now, if you really love the politicians we have, and you think they are great godly people and our elected officials have integrity and that's who you want your children to be like, that's great because they're the ones that determine what the public schools teach. It's so funny. We send our kids to school to be trained by Caesar and then we're shocked when they come home as Romans. <laughs> we can't believe the things that they do. Colossians 2.8 says this, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and deception following the principles of this world rather than following the truth of Christ. Now, in closing, I studied and I found some statistics on Christian school versus public school. Now, when I get statistics, I don't just Google and just see what comes up. There are specific research centers that most of the main colleges in America all agree on. Okay, um, Pew Research Center is one of them. There's several other ones. So what I'm about to read to you, are is, is statistics written by the very school system that they're talking about. So in other words, it's not over-exaggerated. If anything, it's under-exaggerated because I'm reading statistics written by the people who are writing statistics about themselves. Okay, you, you with me? Okay, so here we go. Graduates from public school are 11 times more likely to go through a divorce than a graduate of a Christian school. 15 times more likely to have homosexual relationships. 18 times more likely to go to jail for drunkenness when they become older. 31 times more likely to live someone, with someone they're not married to. 100 times more likely to have an abortion. 90 times more likely to go to hell claiming they can get to heaven without having to go through Jesus. 99 times more likely to have a pornography addiction as a teenager that lasts for the rest of their life. 25 times more likely to commit suicide. 18 times more likely to be bullied and not tell anyone. How many of y'all in school, don't raise your hand, how many of you were bullied and you never told anybody? 
Um, Christian school children watch 50% less TV than public school children. Christian school children are on social media 75% less than public school children. Christian school children are 50% less likely to worship the God of sports, also less likely to share the same character of America's basketball, football, and baseball stars. You know, us men, fathers, we have this tendency to push our kids to be like a great athlete. That's great if it's for athletic purposes, but please don't push your children to be like some of these great athletes. (laughs) Christian school students are 50% more likely to receive scholarships to college. Christian school students score 55% higher on standardized tests than public schools. And here's why. Proverbs 15, 14, only a fool feeds on trash. And, And what you eat, what you put inside of yourself, it determines what comes out. You will become the very thing that you feed yourself. So if you feed yourself Game of Thrones, you're going to be like the Game of Thrones. If you feed yourself negativity and negative people, that's going to come out of you. You can't expect to go home to your family and enjoy them if you're working somewhere that's just filled with trash. I don't care if you have to take a pay cut. I don't care. Move, move, move. Do whatever you got to do, but get where God wants you to be. So in in closing, I'll I'll just say this. I was studying the life of an eagle because a few weeks ago I told you we we can't hang out with chickens if we're going to be an eagle, you know. Eagles, their strength is found in their diet. The reason they're so strong, the reason they can do what they can do is because they only eat fresh food, live food. Unless an eagle is in captivity, it does not feed on trash. Now, other birds in the same category like a vulture or a buzzard, they'll eat anything dead, anything they can find. They don't care at all. But they don't soar like an eagle soars. An eagle can actually spot a salmon a half a mile away, and it'll fly upstream and eat that fresh sushi before it'll ever find something dead on the side of the road because its strength is found in its diet. Isaiah 40, 31 says we're to mount up with wings, not like the buzzard, not like the crow, not like the chicken, but like the eagle. Our strength in life is found in our diet. Our strength is found in where we plan ourselves, who we hang around, and what we put on the inside of ourselves. So if you're, now you can eat dead things. You can watch whatever you want to watch. You can hang out with whoever you want to hang out with. Listen real close. You'll never soar like an eagle. You'll never soar like an eagle. You can eat trash and you'll survive, but you'll never thrive. So my encouragement for you today is this. Find the place God wants you to be at and plant yourself no matter what. Find the right people and say goodbye to the wrong people. And think about the right things and do it for your children. And I promise you'll grow into the oak tree that God has called you to be. Amen. Amen. Amen.